Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, met fellow adventurer, with the power that Sir Quokington got from the Dreamstone, she should now be powerful enough to discover the secret of Stoneback Hill. No, oh, here it is. I, I scroll past it. When an official summons from Fane Poen is delivered to you by a courier, you surprise to discover your presence is immediately requested at Twinned Keep, where the Thane himself wishes to speak to you about a matter of grave urgency. And we begin. This is section 2002. This is the first ever advent, the first premium adventure. It even predates the formation of the Adventurer Guild. So when it was first made, it was a one-off purchase adventure for about what three dollars, maybe five. I, I I forget. It was before my time, years before my time. Well, as you can tell by the section number being two thousand and two. I joined around section 1300 or something like that. Yeah, so, and then, well, apparently it succeeded enough and he decided, I know, hmm, maybe I can actually do this as a job. And he started Adventurer Guild subscription and made it so you could donate and get a tease to get nice stuff at tallies and well he hasn't looked back since then when an official summoning summons from Thane Poland is delivered to you by a courier you're surprised to discover your presence is immediately requested at Twinned Keep 
where the Thane himself wishes to speak to you about a matter of grave urgency. You instruct the courier to return to Twinned Keep and inform the Thane that you have received his summonings and will be arriving shortly. After a brief visit to the local bathhouse, where you wash away the grime of the city, you make your way through through the eastern part of Trithic to Twinned Keep, the head, the strong headquarters of Tysa's most powerful and influential thane. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder. Upon your arrival, you are immediately escorted to Thane Porrin's private chamber, where he welcomes you with a broad smile as he meets you in a shoulder cross. Thane Porrin's smile quickly fades, his demeanour becomes more rigid as he carefully explains what has led him to summon you to this meeting. I must be forward with my request, says Thane Pollard, for I am not afforded the luxury of time in dealing with matters like the one at hand. I need the services of someone I can depend on, someone I can trust, Sir Crokington, and it should be plain that the someone of whom I speak is you. Thane is silent, and for a few moments, as if carefully contemplating what he is going to say next. Your accomplishments and reputation precede you, Sir Grogginton. I have many eyes and ears about the city, and indeed throughout the kingdom, and what has been made known to me about you is most impressive. I seek to have your services at my disposal. For a situation as a wizard, that must be tended to at once. I would be most grateful if you agreed to hear me out this day. Curious as to what they might be referring to, you cordially agree to hear what he has to say. Thane and told you received several reports in recent weeks about bandits ambushing travellers on several of the forest roads north of the city. Mind you that such things are not unheard of in these parts, he says. Rather wily, but the frequency of these attacks has increased of late, and the perpetrators appear to be well trained and growing bolder with each attack. The Fane explains that to his knowledge no one has yet been killed in these ambushes, but much valuable cargo has been stolen, and several of the victims have been battered quite severely. These attacks have all occurred within the same general area. On the three main roads that cut through the forest north of the city, he says. There's something. There is something that all three of these roads have in common, though. Thane Poland escorts you over to the long table near the window and stabs his finger into the middle of the sprawled map. Leaning close and read the words wit on the map, dust above his finger. Stone back. Hell. And there's a link to that, which I'll just weave now. Stoneback Hill. Originally named after the spider of the same name, Stoneback Hill has a rich, if somewhat tragic history. Long considered curse, Stoneback Hill, rising out of the forest north of the city of Twithick, has been avoided by locals and travellers alike for over three centuries. Local folklore has it that anyone foolish enough to set foot on the hill will carry away a part of the curse with them. A curse that will ultimately result in an unimaginably hideous death 
centuries ago, before the air was considered cursed. A monastery in honour of Swithak, the Allfather, was built at the base of Stoneback Hill. The monks who built the monastery claimed the hill was holy land, and decreed the hill's summit would serve as a final resting place for the faithful. The monastery, known as Stoneback Monastery, became a place frequented by travellers throughout that part of Tysa, for the blue-robed monks who dwell within were, the most hos- were most hospitable to the world-worn who arrived at their door. However, the monastery was not without its oddities. Indeed, journals kept by the monks revealed that over the two centuries that the monastery stood at the base of Stoneback Hill, monks and travellers alike had often witnessed strange, eerie things on the hill and the forest around it. Local folklore declared that the dead, risen out of the graves atop Stoneback Hill, roamed the woods around the monastery at night looking for victims. The locals often joked, making sport of the monks' legendary hospitality, that should the roaming dead knock on the monastery door, they would be treated to a hot supper and a warm bed. The local folklore grew into what was jokingly referred to as the curse of Stoneback Hill. Then, on a cold autumn night, over three centuries ago, the monks that inhabited the monastery at the base of the sto- base of Stoneback Hill simply disappeared. According to records later found at the monastery, there were 24 monks inhabiting it at the time. Not one of the 24 was ever found and their disappearance could never be immediately explained. Days later, however, a traveller arrived in Trific and told a harrowing tale of a, of a knight that he'd recently spent in the monastery. He told of a ghoulish legion of what he referred to as the Woken Dead that assailed the monastery in the middle of the night. He claimed that he barely escaped the attack with his life, and that many of the monks had either been killed or fled wildly into the dark forest. As word spread of the travellers' account, the curse of Stoneback Hill, which had been little more than entertaining local folklore, slowly took a new, more profound and sinister meaning. Upon learning of the tragic and mysterious events that had taken place in the forest north of Twithick, the King of Tosa sent a group of six border rangers to investigate the hill and the surrounding area. They never returned. With the disappearance of the border rangers, the King of Tosa demanded the monastery be torn down and immediately decreed it was unlawful for any to tread upon the ground where the monastery formerly stood. Furthermore, treading upon the cursed hill itself would now be a crime punishable by death. So the monastery was raised to the ground, and in the minds of everyone, Stoneback Hill became a dark, terrifying place that was to be avoided at all costs. The king also decreed that a stone wall was to be built in the forest, encircling both the hill and the remains of the monastery, to serve as a warning to those who might unwittingly stray too near the cursed ground. The wall, made up of stones that were found about the forest, stood about waist high, 
that proved to be a massive endeavour, taking many years to complete. The wall still stands to this day as an ever-present as ever present, ominous reminder of what lies in the forest beyond it. The wall is still maintained in its day and is known, as you might expect, as Stoneback Wall. The, the law which punishes any who would dare trespass on this hill, hill with death, still stands to this day, although it has never had to be tested. No, no one is known to have ever dared set foot on the cursed hill since. These days the curse of Stoneback Hill remains very real to many in the kingdom, and especially to citizens of Trithic and its outlying areas. A few mossy stone blocks, still visible off the woods near the spot where Stangrun Mode meets the Old North Road, are all the remains of the monastery. Stone monument, in tribute to the monks of Stoneback Monastery, still stands at that very spot. A cautionary verse inscribed at the base of the monument still warns travellers that to stray onto the cursed ground of Stoneback Hill is to do so under penalty of death. (laughs) You step back from the map. And bring your eyes up to meet the same stern gaze. He nods knowingly as he twice again stabs at the stop the spot on the map with his finger. Stoneback Hill, he says, shaking his head. There hasn't been anyone who would willingly tread on that cursed ground for three centuries. Yet, what would make a better place for high women to base their wades? The map which few, if any, would dare venture into. Thane Pond explains that he believes that the ambushes that have been taking place on travellers on the forest roads north of Twithick are the work of a group of bandits hiding out on Stoneback Hill. To send any of my own men to that place would be folly, he says. I don't believe in the curse of Stoneback Hill any more than the wobblers who have likely made their encampment on that that very spot. Yet I cannot afford to alarm the already edgy citizenry of this city and parts thereabout with news of my men treading on ground forbidden by law and legend. My stand on the side of law and order and trithic must be unwavering. For it is that unfaltering stance that grants strength to my cause against the lawlessness in this city. The thane taps his finger on the spot on the map where Stoneback Hill lies and looks directly at you. That is where you entered into this, Stir Croakington, he says. Thane Poland again explains he's loath to send any of his own men into the air of Stoneback Hill for fear of upsetting the citizenry of Twithick, whom he says by and large believe very strongly in the curse. He asks what he asks what he asks you what he what you suspected he would. He asks that you undertake a journey to Stoneback Hill and discover if indeed his suspicions are true. He tells you that once you have investigated the hill and made a report to him he will then determine a course of action. Can I count on you for this, Sir Crokington, he asks, with just a 
flutter of trepidation in the pit of your stomach. You swiftly meet the thane at shoulder cross, which is quite difficult. I think it involves me hopping on the shoulders or something. And assure him that you are honoured to undertake the mission. Thane Pond explains that your first duty on this mission will be to go to Stoneback Hill and determine if indeed the highwaymen who are wobbling travellers on the forest roads are using it as a base of operation. It tells you the world does not know for certain. Please, that bandits may be hiding out in the cemetery at the foot of Stoneback Hill. And you must report, b- report back to me at once with your findings, he says. And Sir Crokington, you must not let anyone else know of this mission. You assure the thing that it will remain a confidential matter. After bidding him farewell, you immediately set out on the first leg of your mission and make your way along the forest roads north of the city towards Stoneback Hill. You follow the road known as the Old North Road as it winds its way into the thick forest north of Twithick. After a nearly, nearly a two-hour hike along the road, with no sign of any other travellers, you reach a spot where the Old North Road is joined from the east by, by the wider, more well-travelled Stargrun Road. Where the two roads meet, set back several feet from the side of the road, stands a large stone monument honouring the monks of Stoneback Monastery, who appeared in the vicinity of this spot over three centuries ago. The monument depicts a monk piously leaning in, kneeling in prayer. Your eyes are drawn to a warning inscribed on the base of the monument. It pronounces that a sentence of death will be carried out against anyone who dares tread on the cursed ground. Several yards into the woods beyond the monument, you can make out Stoneback Wall, the perimeter of the cursed ground of Stoneback Hill. You wait on the side of the road for several minutes, carefully observing the immediate area. When you feel confident you're alone here, you quietly slip into the forest. You rapidly cover the stretch of woods beyond the monument, and within a minute of leaving the roadside, you reach the wall. You take one last look at the world behind you, but stepping over the wall and into the forbidden ground of Stoneback Hill. You in you stand at the thick you stand in the thick of the wood, only a few yards behind, beyond the Stoneback Wall. To the north, Stoneback Hill rises up sharply. It's slope covered with the thick growth of the forest. The forest is eerily quiet, and you become conscious of the fact that with your every foot that your every footfall is likely to betray your passing to anyone within earshot. You must now decide how you will proceed. So I can investigate the forest at the base of the hill, or the hill itself. I'll start with the forest. You begin to search the forest around the base of Stoneback Hill. Picking a number. Bonus of 15 from Woodmanship. Pick now. 88. In a wide hot 4x Peter General. In a wide hollow not far from the western edge 
of the hill, you discover the remains of a campfire. The remains of the fire appear to be several days old. Old. So I can investigate thoroughly or move right on to investigate the campsite thoroughly. And move around the wide hollow. Your eyes peel for anything that might offer a hint as to who built the fire. Picking a number. Bonus of seven from luck. Gotta get 75 or more to find something or avoid something. Pick now. 62. Failure. You carefully search the campsite. Playing close attention to remains of the fire. But you discover nothing of any interest. Satisfied you have not overlooked anything of importance. You turn your attention to Stoneback Hill itself. The, the steep, thickly wooded slope that is Stoneback Hill does not appear to offer an easy ascent. However, you recall that the monks of Stoneback Monastery used a road that wound its way up the hill to the cemetery they built on the summit. You realise that if the bandits are indeed hiding out on a hill, they may be making use of the road. Even if they are not using it, it seems likely they'll be watching it closely. Still, the idea of finding your way some of the hill by way of the roads seems a somewhat more inviting prospect than struggling up to the steep hillside. So, I make up my way to the summit by climbing the hillside, or find the road that leads to the summit. Thing is, if there are bandits, I want them to find me, because then I find them, and that's not a good situation for them to be in at all. So find the road that leads to the summit. Despite the obvious wicks of using a direct approach to the summit, you feel the perils are no greater than, the, than you would face were you to brave the treacherous terrain of the, hill in a, of the hill in a steep and dangerous ascent. Near the southern base of the hill, you happen upon the crumbling remains of a stone road winding its way up and around the steep slope. You take one last look around before starting your climb, a road that was laid over three centuries ago. For the most part, your trek along the old road that winds its way up the side of Stoneback Hill passes without incident. However, as you approach the summit, you come around a bend in the road and behold a sight that stops you dead in your tracks. In the middle of the road, not more than 20 yards ahead, stand three lanky figures clad in hooded capes and sweeping tunics. Their backs turn towards you as they crouch over the unmoving body of a man, long sword clenched in their gloved hands. You quickly step off the side of the road and take cover behind some thick brush as, as you assess the situation. Three options then. Remain in hiding and watch them. Approach them. If you have the power of divination and wish to use it, I do and I do. Challenge divination. Succeeded. 4x speed divination. You sense great evil surrounding these three hooded figures. You also sense that they are not human. Oh no. Undead. It's gotta have to be undead. So remain in hiding and watch them or approach them. Well, gotta deal with them now before they get summoned more aid or 
animate that guy or something approach. The moment you step back, step back onto the road, three hooded figures turn to face you. You're both shocked and horrified by what you now behold. The stark, white, fleshless faces beneath the hoods are those of the undead. The skeletal figures hiss in unison and begin stalking along the road towards you, their long stone drawn and ready. So I could fight or flee. Obviously, I'm going to fight. Stand your ground and meet their advance. The three hooded skeletal figures continue to hiss as they close in around you. When they are within striking distance, these undead fiends simultaneously raise their blades and attack its three skeletal swordsmen. Begin combat. I stab and they hiss as they slash, but they miss. Oh, oh, they got me, they got me, they got me. The skeletal swordsmen hiss as they slash. Oh, and they are slain. Yes, uh, I don't know, I stabbed one so hard that its skull exploded and, and the shards exploded the other two skulls, something like that. Who, who knows, who knows. Anyway, they are slain. 18 XP. All that remains of the three skeletal swordsmen is a pile of scattered bones, shattered bones at your feet. You quickly pick through their remains and discover the following. So, two common longswords, which are worthless, and a sturdy longsword. Odd, the common isn't... Eh. Odd, some of them are capitalised and some of them, The top two aren't capitalised, but the second one is. Hmm. Curious. Oh, well. Alright. This long oh oh it's not just a regular longsword, it's a special longsword. This longsword is an expertly crafted weapon. The phrase honour, bravery, faith has been etched onto the blade. This weapon is of common quality. Well, if it's a special item that, that changes everything. I'm gonna keep it just to add it on. The surge. And this is just a generic sturdy longsword, which I'll take to sell. Alright, and in a watting leather pouch, you discover several gold tokens. I guess, I guess it not being capsulized, that was the hint that it's a special longsword. I'm guessing these longswords were part of the monastery's guard or something? Makes sense. You examine the body of the man that the three skeletal swordsmen were huddled around and discover he was very recently slain. A wide red gash runs near the entire length of the man's torso, and his breeches and cloth shirt are soaked with blood. Whether he is, whatever his business was on the forbidden ground of Stoneback Hill, appears to have met with a gruesome fate at the hand of the undead fiends you just dispatched. You search through his belongings and discover the following. A shovel, a small flask, 
that could be used to hold some sort of liquid. I don't think there's any point me having a small flask, but the shovel could come in handy. This is your average, everyday, long-handled shovel. Ooh, long-handled. Convenient. If you ever have to dig something up, you might need it. Oh, right. There's, I mean, I think there's a one or two cases where you use it. This And a common dagger. This is your average ordinary dagger. It's well suited for stabbing things. This weapon is of ordinary quality. Alright. I'll take it. I'll just be selling it soon. And then black stone on a chain. It's common. And it's neck armour. Produces your mind by one. And your might by one. Uh... It's not a good thing to have, but I'll take it, I'll take it. It's no encumbrance, so I might as well. Five gold tokens. Without further delay, you once again set off along the road for the summit of Stoneback Hill. And I'll leave the flasks behind. The remainder of your trek along the road to the summit passes without incident. The road you've been following leads directly to the summit. And soon after you pass beneath the remains of, the, of an elaborate stone arch, you find yourself standing at the edge of the graveyard atop Stoneback Hill. A crumbling wall of stacked stones runs along the perimeter of the summit, encircling the old cemetery. At first glance, the, grave top, the graveyard atop Stoneback Hill is barely recognisable as such. Trees and tall grasses have grown up amidst the headstones and monuments, all but concealing them from view. Through the trees on the far side of the overgrown graveyard, you can make out the stone wall of a small above-ground tomb. You feel slightly uneasy in, this eerie, in the eerie silence that seems to hang over this place. So investigate the tomb, or search the west of the graveyard. I'll search the west of the graveyard. As you make your way through the overgrown graveyard, winding in and out of the headstones and the cracked stone monuments that poke up amidst the trees and tall grass, as you come over, you come over, you come over to the back of the small wise, you freeze in your tracks as your eyes fall upon a grim scene. Much of the tall grass has been cut, which is a relief. <laughs> Back in this part of the graveyard, revealing several dozen un unearthed graves, which is less of a relief. Tall piles of dirt sit at the edge of each of these graves, and near one of these mounds lie two shovels. You crouch at the base of, the, of a leaning maple, as you carefully survey the scene. For several minutes you watch and wait, but you see nothing that leads you to believe that whoever has been digging up these graves is anywhere at hand. After taking a deep breath, you move to the, into the mist of the unearthed graves, making your way to the spot where the two shovels lies. Alright, looks, like looks like these bandits took a little side job as... A grave robbing, which is to be expected. I mean, once you once you start doing one crime, you might as well do all the crimes. Apparently, 
even though this is probably the worst possible place to do grave robbing because of the whole undead curse thing. You peer down into the open graves that, that you pass, noting in every case the coffin lying at the bottom has been, been open or overturned. It appear that the robbers who set about this task are, or were, determined to pillage every last grave atop Stoneback Hill. Yes, and they probably didn't didn't record them properly either. However, when you arrive at the open grave next to which lie two shovels, an entirely different scene greets you. The hole that had been dug at the site of the grave is over ten feet deep, and at the bottom of it you can discern a narrow set of stone steps that descend into darkness. A foul odour rises out of the shadows below, causing you to wretch. There is no mistaking the overwhelming smell that assails your senses. It is the stench of death and decay. An uneasy feeling comes over you as you stand at the edge of the dark opening, and you suddenly feel as if you should move away from this place at once. You've taken several steps back from the edge when your heel comes down on something hard and sharp. Stifling a cry of pain, you reach across and pull the object from beneath your foot. In your in your hat, in your hand, you hold the sharp tip of a long, curved black claw. The claw is unlike that of any animal you know, and you wisely decide to hold on to it for now. Black claw. Let's have a look at it. It's got encumbrance of zero, which means it's an important item. This long, curved black claw is nearly four inches in length, and is perhaps only half as long as it was before it was broken. Oh, and the length is spelt slightly wrong. They missed out the G. Oh well. I mean, when when you when you've written when you've written three and a half million words, mistakes are gonna happen, especially when there are nice and descriptions which. Well, you don't even look at them. Oh well, I could tell her about this, but I won't. You, you must now decide on your next course of action. You weigh in your mind the option. Returning with news of your discovery to Thane Porrend, against exploring the set of stone steps descending into darkness at, at the bottom of the open grave. The uneasy feeling has come over you when you stood at the edge of the grave has returned with a vengeance. The desire to turn and flee from the graveyard is almost overwhelming. As you struggle to obtain a grip on your emotions, a scuffling sound rises up from the open grave and a gloved hand reaches over the edge, conceal concealed fingers clawing desperately at the loose turf. Help me! Grasps a ragged voice of the unseen climber. Okay, okay, I mean... Hmm, there's two options. It's a bandit... Who probably got pushed into the grave when he was robbing it, or... Hid in the grave when, when all his comrades were being, you know... Killed... By the undead, 
Okay, it's it maybe makes sense. Bandits are you are almost definitionally cowardly. Or it's an undead trying to trick me. Those are the two options. Now, look, look, I mean, if it is a bandit, if it's an undead, I say it, there's one less undead. And if it's a bandit, I arrest him, and we've got one less bandit. So, move to your side, side of the grave, and help the person out of the grave. Because no, no, no legitimately innocent people would be here. They would not be here. I'm going to help them anyway, because that's what heroes do. Even if they they are a hundred percent bad guys, there's just no way the per- this is just a regular good person in here. No way, unless maybe the Thane sent other people first. But support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Maybe, but honestly, what have you told me? Would he have sent other adventurers first? He could have. He could have. Okay, I guess that. I mean, that could be an option. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to help. Help anyway. You rush over to the side of the open grave and peer down into the hole. A man in a leather tunic, his back firmly wedged against the side of the hole, is desperately clawing at the ground around the edge of the grave with his gloved hand. He appears to be close to losing his grip and falling back in the grave. You lean down and shoot out, shoot out your hand for him to grab. Horror overcomes you as the man grips your hand tightly and then tugs violently, obviously attempting to pull you into the grave. Oh, please, that's rude! That is rude! Picking a number. Bonus of 13. From might. Good to get 50 or more, or I get pulled into the grave. And getting out of a grave again is a bit of a sticky wicket. Not, not impossible, but a bit of a sticky wicket. Pick now. 93 success. You manage to pull yourself free of the climber's grasp. 
and you stumble back from the edge of the open grave. You aim where you are, your eyes fixed on the gloved hand feeling about on the edge of the grave. Suddenly, another hand reaches out of the opening, and a tall, thin man, wearing a leather tunic, hoists itself up and out of the grave. He turns to face you, and you are truly horrified by what you see. The man's face is sunken and pale, and where his eyes once rested sit a pair of empty sockets, the edges crusted with dried blood. You are staring at the face of the dead. The ghoulish figure draws a sharp hand axe, and brandishing it menacingly as as the sound of further scuffling from within the grave suddenly reaches your ears. So, I could attack this axe-wielding dead. Undead, all just run back to Thane Pond. And so, get an army, get an army. Ah, there's undead. He's like, no, I can't get an army, it's forbidden land. You've got to deal with it yourself. <laughs> okay, so, attack this axe-wielding undead. Might as well. Axe-wielding cadaver. Take that. The undead man swipes at you with his hand axe and is slain. Four XP. Your undead attacker crumples to the ground as the sound of scuffling from within the grave grows louder. Sounds as if there are several others about to emerge. Okay, this does seem ridiculous, but... Often you do have multiple people in one grave. I mean, if you go down to a graveyard, you'll often see that on some tombstones. You just have this guy buried here, and then his wife got buried in later, and then his kids got buried in a bit later. Because, well, there's only so much space in a graveyard. Especially if it's, say, in the middle of a, in a town or something. They can't just... Make it bigger. Because there's, there's like buildings and stuff around there. Yeah, so it, 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 is, it is a trope. But it's not. As long as you're not talking like. Ten people climbing out of one grave. It's just, just within. Just about within the limits of realism. Just about. Could happen. It could happen that you could have several people in one grave. I mean, I've, I've, well, as an archaeologist, I've dug them up, dug it up yourself. Where you dig someone up, you go down a bit further, you find another person. Because digging holes takes time, and cemetery spl- plots are expensive. You don't. And honestly, a lot of people don't have the savings to buy another cemetery spot plot for their family. So when another one of their their kids dies of cholera or some other horrific industrial age disease, or gets churned into paste in a factory or something like that, well, put them in the same grave. Because you can only afford one grave. Yeah, and then just chisel the new person. Make sure you leave space on your tombstone. Put and also this person, and then also this person, and also this person, and also this person. 
Yeah, go 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 to a graveyard. You'll see it. You'll see it. Hold your ground and face what emerges. Within a matter of seconds, eight gruesome endeavors. Undead cadavers, much like the one you've just dispatched, emerge from the open grave. Their pale, faceless eyes turned in your direction. One of them, his face and neck bearing hideously deep gashes, snarls viciously. As the entire wave of undead curses forward and attacks. Eight gruesome cadavers. Okay, this 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 is just about straining realism. I took five, five in one grave. I could take that, but nine. Did the undead, like, move themselves all into one grave as part of a trap? Yeah, yeah, probably that. Yeah, you know, you know, put someone in a, in a, in a grave that looks like they're trapped in, try to help one, boom! Nine, nine, nine undead attack you. And then, a bit later, they have ten undead. Because that's just what they do. Undead. They kill you and make more undead. Yes. Fortunately, it's, it's, it's a lot slower in most fantasy worlds than it is in urban zombie fiction where and three minutes later, you're another zombie. But of course, the thing is, fantasy undead are usually a bloody lot tougher than modern undead. Modern undead are usually unarmed, slow, unarmoured, don't really use any tactics at all. Fantasy undead, they usually have some sort of, often they have some sort of weapon, often they're armoured, they usually, they, you can, there's quite often they attack in formation, but the thing is in medieval times, Everyone had a sword. Everyone. It's practically the law. Because it's medieval times. And you know. The government can't really crack down on all this crime. Because they're too busy going off on crusades. <laughs> or. Or, or you know. Getting into power struggles. And, and all that. And you know. Cracking down on crime is hard when you don't have, you know, modern technology and stuff. Anyway, yep, medieval undead, stronger than modern undead, which is odd because modern people, we have guns. And yet somehow in medieval settings, they're rarely overwhelmed by the undead. But modern settings... Always getting overwhelmed by undead. Even though that makes no sense. No sense at all. It's almost as if the people who write undead don't, don't really care about realism and just want to, you know, kill lots of things and not without feeling bad about it. Begin combat. Anyway, let's take down these cadavers. The undead claw and tear at your flesh in a frenzy. Alright, it's, it's a 5 plus roll, so this is one of the hardest fights in, this is perhaps the hardest fight in this scenario, anyway, they are slain. 18 XP. 
The stench of decay from the slain undead is almost more than you can bear. Their twisted corp corpses, oozing thick streams of black blood, cover the ground at your feet. With your arm, arm crooked over your nose to ward off the foul odour, you quickly search through the remains of your enemies and take the following. It's a sharp hand axe. This hand axe is an unusually sharp blade. This weapon is of sturdy quality, melee weighting plus one, but otherwise standard. Take it, sell it later. Black pearl bracelet. Armor whist. This bracelet is made out of black pearls. The largest of the pearls has a white skull inscribed upon it. Hmm. I mean, was it like that? Before or did did the, the whoever's in charge of the undead just like putting skulls on things? Or is it just a coincidence? Well, I'll take it, sell it later. Even if it has got two encumbrance. You decide that you should return at once and tell Thane Pond of what you discovered here. With that in mind, you turn and make your way out of the graveyard. As you make your way back down to Stoneback Hill, your mind pours over the details of what you discovered. It appeared that whoever recently occupied the forbidden ground had also set about robbing the graves of the ancient cemetery. It also seems their last attempt at pilfering from the dead and of something they, could, they were not prepared to deal with. You find your thoughts continually drawn to the set of narrow steps descending into darkness at the bottom of the open grave. You wonder why they are there where they might lead. The trek from the top of Stoneback Hill to Stoneback Wall, which encircles the base, takes a little over an hour. That is one long wall. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's say I'm in the middle, and I'll probably move... Well, it's rough terrain, three miles per hour, so... Let's see. Was it six per hour? Alright, so let's... 20 mile long wall waist tie yeah yeah no wonder it took years you dare not tarry on the descent both because of what you've witnessed in the old graveyard and your desire to inform Thane Poland of what you discovered it's nearing dusk when you arrive back in Twithick and you hurry to which twinned keep before the citywide curfew goes into effect for the night when you arrive at your destination, you are once again escorted to the Thane's private chamber. Upon seeing your condition as you enter his chamber, Thane Porrind immediately calls for one of the healers in his service, who dutifully attends to your wound. And that's my stamina points are restored. Thane Porrind listens intently as you relay to him the events of your journey to the summit of Stoneback Hill. And what you found in the old graveyard there. As you describe the open graves and the walking dead that you encountered, his eyes widen and he shakes his head in disbelief. The Thane the asks you again to recount the details of the undead you encountered, then asks to see the piece of black claw you discovered. While he studies it, he calls for one of his advisors, a man named Trungar. Trungar knows of our business on Stoneback Hill, says Thane, his tone reassuring. 
you can be trusted to secrecy in this matter. It's also a warrior of great skill, who has faced much of what there is to face in the wilds of the world, and lived to tell of it. I am most eager for his opinion on what you, d what you have discovered thus far. Trongar is broad, a broad-shouldered, rugged-looking individual, arrives mere moments after having been summoned. He bows deeply before the Fane, and acknowledges you with a solemn nod. Thane Porrin hands the piece of black core to Chongar and begins to give his advisor a brief, but thorough, account of discoveries and encounters on Stoneback Hill. Having examined the claw for only a few moments, Chongar hands it to Thane Porrin. In a wavering voice, voice he tells both of you and the Thane, the claw is that of a Vaughan Thrall. Which has a link here. So you know how spooked to be. Of all the nightmarish denizens of the undead world, the Vaughan Fall is among the most feared. The powerful, relevant ghoul is the embodiment of the vengeful spirit of a long-dead Vaughanthian who, who was entombed alive in a specially constructed tomb as punishment for the extreme vile nature of his or her crimes. So twisted with hatred and utterly bent on vengeance against their persecutors were the entombed Vorenthian that when they at last expired, alone in the darkness of the tombs, their forsaken souls were hurled into the shadowy depths of the Neverness. It's believed the spirits of many of these entombed Vorenthian were able to return to the world of Swift. We unite with their deceased physical form through the use of a shadow path. Therefore, it is often assumed that where a Vaughan fall is found, a shadow path is likely not far away. It should be known that Vaughan fall will vary in appearance, and maybe either male or female. Though they will typically have the form of a watting corpse, Often garbled in long flowing black robes, the garb of criminals in ancient Varanthian society. The fingertips of all Varan Fall are set with long curved black claws, which will use very effectively as weapons. These powerful undead menaces exert a strong control over other lesser undead, and they use this control to protect their lair, usually their tomb. One, one should expect to find any number of horrifying undead stalking about the lair of Vaughanfall. Normally a Vaughanfall would not seek to leave its lair. Phew! And indeed has no knowledge of the world that it has returned to. Despite the strong desire for vengeance to dwell here, instead these horrific undead choose to dwell in their in the in the lairs, again usually their tombs, undisturbed by the world outside. From time to time, they may stray from their lair, but such excursions will usually be brief and will not cover a great distance. The Vaughan floor seeks seclusion in its lair, the tomb where its days and longs the living came to such a lonesome and gruesome end. Despite their fearsome reputation, Vor and Thor go to great lengths to conceal their lairs and close them off from the world of the living. 
They usually seek to reseal and reconceal their lairs in the event they are discovered by the living. Only when the lair of Vaughan Fall has been discovered and violated does it present a danger to the outside world. This danger will remain as long as the lair remains unsealed, which is what's just happened. So we've got a problem. The Vaughan Fall has not only the ability to control undead creatures, but also to raise the dead. And can raise any formerly living creature into its surface. The real danger posed by a Vaughan Thrall is the undead the creature controls. The undead under the control of Vaughan Thrall often wander great, great distances from the creature's lair. If the lair has been violated, if the lair has been violated, and can obviously pose a serious threat to humans in the vicinity. A powerful aura of fear surrounds the Vaughan Thrall. An aura powerful enough to shake the spirit of even the most stalwart. Indeed, there are few among the living who would dare brave an encounter with a Vaughan Thrall in its lair. Vaughan Thrall are immune to all normal weapons. A magical weapon is required to damage this creature. Fortunately, I got one earlier. It should also be noted that the shadow paths that bore the Vaughan Fall passage back to Swift from the Neverness remain open in its inner lair. An open shadow path in the lair of a Vaughan Fall is very dangerous, for it allows, allows the Vaughan Fall to summon undead for the depths of the Neverness to do its bidding. Assume that the Vorm cell themselves pass back and forth through the shadow path at will. Destroying a Vorm through will close any shadow paths that exist in its lair. That's definitely for the best. Because those are dangerous, dangerous things. It's unlikely that more than one of these powerful undead will ever be discovered inhabiting the same lair. Vorm falls seek to dominate and control lesser undead beings. And no time will its wicked spirit submit to the will of another. There have been many tales and legends throughout the ages of brave adventurers who have stumbled upon hidden Vorenithian tombs and discovered the lair of Vorenthal. Some of these tales tell of unearthly treasures contained within the tomb. Perhaps things brought forth from the infinite neville realms by the Vaughan Fall and its minions. It's also widely assumed that many of the adventurers and others who happened upon the lair of Vaughan Fall quickly saw an end to their days amongst the living. Less than scrupulous mages are often interested to learn about the location of a suspected Vaughan Thorn lair for the simple reason may contain one or more active shadow paths. A chill runs the length of the spine when you realise the stone steps at the bottom of the open grave were likely the very entrance to the lair of this undead horror. It appeared that whoever was warping the graves up there stumbled upon the lair of Orn Fall, sustained Point, handing the black claw back to you. The expression on his face and the tone of his voice equally grave. This now becomes most serious. Indeed, 
a matter far more pressing than the exploits of a few highwaymen is laid before us. The Fane says that he's most troubled by your account of the undead already moving about Stoneback Hill. In a grim tone he announces that the issue of the Vaughan Fall is not one that can wait. This threat must be dealt with swiftly and quietly, he says. Tunga nods stoically in agreement. You all agree that if it is indeed a Vaughan Fall that lurks atop Stoneback Hill, it's likely that of three, cent- three centuries of mystery, the disappearance of the monks of Stoneback Monastery, at last has an explanation. It would seem the monks of Stoneback Monastery may have been the first to unwittingly unearth the ancient Varantian tomb as they dug graves atop the hill, says they informed. It is of little consequence now, though, for it is upon our watch that we are put to it to have this matter settled once and for all. Thane Poran places a hand on his shoulder and asks the question you've been anticipating. He asks if you're up to the task of returning to Stoneback Hill and dealing with the menace of the Fallen Thal. There are few who I would trust with so delicate and important a mission as this, he says. You, Sir Crokington, have, have, have been known to me for some time, and I do feel that I could find a more... And I do not feel I could find a more worthy and courageous soul within the walls of this great city. Both Thane Porrent and Trognar seem to be eagerly awaiting your response. With a curt nod, do, nod directed at the Thane, exceptions of the task, appears to come as profound relief to both men. Thane Poland smiles as he meets you on the shoulder cross, following your acceptance of the mission. Tunga praises your courage, and then offers to help see that you are properly outfitted for the task. You follow Tunga to the lower levels of Twin's Keep, where he takes you through a series of rooms stocked with a vast array of weapons and armour. The equipment used to outfit the Thane's armed force that patrols the streets of Twithick. Chungar speaks privately with a few of the attendants in his rooms, and several special items are brought forth and offered to you. You carefully look over the items that have been presented. Now, these are all in my size. You may take any or all of the items lifted, listed below. And there's a lot of them. I'll just... Chain boots, chain gauntlets, chain shirt, chain sleeves, chain sleeves, chain leggings... Leather leggings, leather sleeves, leather helmet, leather vest, high leather boots, leather gauntlets. Not going to take the brass lantern. I already have a lantern. This faithful light source will light your way in dark spaces. Coil of strong rope. There's a well-made coil of rope. I'll take that. Studded butler common. I mean, I already have a better buckler. But I'll take it and sell it later. Alright. As you walk back to Thane Pond's chamber with Trungar, he recounts for you several of his past exploits with the fearsome creatures. However, he is quick to admit that although he's an accomplished warrior, he's never been particularly fond of dealing with the undead. And this Vaughan Fall, he says, slowly shaking his face, 
Just cruel, truly a creature of darkness. Nothing but malice, malice and hatred seep forth from his black soul. A less stalwart soul than you, Sir Crocuson, would no doubt be loath to the prospect of encountering such a foe. As you approach the Thane's chamber, you notice for the first time that Trongar walks with a, walks with a noticeable limp. He catches sight of your interest and laughs as he slaps his left thigh. There were four forest trolls that afternoon, Sir Crocuson, he says. Got the better of me for a moment or two. Before I was able to square out with them, the old wound acts up now and again. You follow behind Trognor as he steps into the Thane's chamber. You spend the next two hours with Thane and Trognor, going over the details of your impending mission. Trognor seems to have a wealth of knowledge concerning Bor and Fall, and you wisely glean as much information as you can from him. You learn that Thor and Fall are immune to ordinary weapons. Magic or weapon imbued with such will be the only means you have to hurt this creature. An army of a thousand blades would perish against it, lest one of those blades bear enchantment. You certainly take comfort knowing that your arsenal of weaponry includes five magical weapons. Goblin Doom, Balak's Broadsword, Dagger of Emerald Flame, Blade of the Fox... Dagger of Nightmares. Suddenly, a young lad clad in a purple tunic, the front of which is embroidered with the mark of the Thane, arrives in the, cha- arrives in the chamber and hands Thane Pond a long item covered by a red cloth. The lad bows deeply to the Thane before leaving the chamber. You are somewhat surprised when the Thane hands the cloth-covered item to you. You shall find more use for that than I ever shall, he says, as you take hold of something heavy hidden beneath the web cloth. You pull away the cloth and reveal a black, short-handled, single-bladed axe. For its size, the axe feels unusually weighty, but as you grip the weapon and closely examine it, there is little doubt that it is a magnificent weapon. The axe is a solid piece of, of forged blackened steel, with a small but almost impossibly sharp blade protruding from his head. The haft of this splendid weapon is covered with hundreds of likenesses of snakes and skulls, all carved into the black steel. This is the black steel axe! Bane of the undead. This axe is a, is a solid piece of forged blackened steel, the small but almost impossibly sharp blade protruding from his head. The haft of this splendid weapon is cut with hundreds of likenesses of snakes and skulls, all carved into the black steel. This weapon is of magical quality. Yes, the important thing is this can kill any undead. Thane Poen tells you the axe is something he acquired, several years ago in exchange for his services as a warrior. A sage once told me this axe was imbued with the power to defeat the undead, he says. He may have it, Sir Crookington. I hope it serves you well. I would think you may need it before long. You go over the details of your mission for a final time, the Thane and Twungar. 
You are to return to the summit of Stoneback Hill, into the lair of the Vorenthal, and defeat the undead horror and its minions. The plan is simple. You cannot hope but think that its execution proved to be anything but. It is grieved that you will set out for Stoneback Hill at dusk, and into the forest under the cover of night. When your movements are less likely to attract any undesired attention, you will then wait to the light of dawn before you climb to the summit and seek out the lair of the Vorenfall. Both Thane Porrand and Tonga seem keen on keeping your movements about Stoneback Hill a close guarded secret. At long last, you prepare to take your leave of the Thane and Tonga. Before you depart, Thane Porrands as a brief prayer and commends you for accepting such a dangerous mission. May the Allfather protect you and bring you back to us in victory and safety, he says. Trungar follows you out of the Thane's chamber and wishes you luck on your mission. He removes a small object from his pocket and places it in your hand. You're brave indeed, he says. But I know that you will need more than courage to face a creature like the Royal Fall. This amulet is supposed to offer protection from the undead. You always kept it near me just in case. But I dare say you'll have a greater need for it. Besides, I've another dust like it. Go safely. And good luck, Sir Crokington. I have got an Oryx skull amulet. It's neck armour. It doesn't do anything statistically speaking. This small Oryx amulet, fashioned in the shape of a human skull. Hangs on a thin iron chain. These might come in handy as well, he says, handing you a handful of dried leaves. You instantly recognise them to be Quebec leaves, which restore a small amount of stamina points. But you can, you could just use them whenever. You thank Tongar and bid him farewell before finally making your way out of Twinned Keep. Your return to Stoneback Hill proceeds without incident, and as dusk turns to darkness, you slip into the forest at the base of the hill and begin to search for a place to settle down until dawn. After briefly scouting the nearby area, you decide to spend the night amidst a cluster of large rocks not far from the wall that surrounds the base of the hill. The night passes without incident, though your dreams are filled with strange haunting images more than once cause you to awake with a start. In one such dream, you find yourself moving along a narrow stone corridor, surrounded on all sides by the fleshless arms of the dead that reach through the walls, floors and ceiling to grope at you. The first light of dawn filters through the tree limbs overhead. You quickly rise and prepare to make what you hope will be your final ascent of Stoneback Hill. The climb to the summit takes little more than two hours, and though you do not encounter anything during your ascent, your mind is plagued by a growing sense of dread. This feeling comes even more pronounced as you step into the summit of the hill and reach the edge of the ancient graveyard. A thick early morning mist is just beginning to lift off the top of the hill. The heavy vapour drifts along the trees and, and, and crumb among the trees and crumbling, crumbling monuments of the cemetery, baiting an eerie and almost surreal scene as it slowly departs. You move cautiously into the foggy, overgrown cemetery 
and make your way towards the air of open graves. Your trek ends when you find yourself standing at the edge of the open grave that leads down to a set of stone steps descending into shadow. Alright, um, now looks like a good place to stop. So in the next episode, we'll go down into the lair of the Vaughan Fall. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.